Hello everyone, welcome to Dan Gordon Podcast. So today I did a beautiful interview with my friend Devante Hawkins. We pretty much covered everything under the sun. We talked about fatherhood, we talked about race, relationships, parenting, prison, and being the best you. Also, of course, personal responsibility. Now, uh, Devante, he can be found at on Instagram at Von Rafe. It's the at symbol V-O-N-R-A-I-F. And on his Instagram channel, he does working out and motivational stuff. And he can also be found on Facebook at Devontae Hawkins. He's basically just like a, a positive influencer, and he does a little music and working out type stuff. Look him up. He's, he's an amazing person. He's an amazing guy, and the interview just went absolutely amazing. Except there were some technical difficulties. I'd like to apologize before I start this episode. There were some crickets going on in the background. There were some beautiful birds. There's a lot of stuff going on in the background. But the interview is so good that that stuff couldn't ruin it. There was a thunderstorm going on, and I had to edit out a couple parts just because they kind of skipped around because we were online. But it is an amazing interview. I hope you guys love it. I hope you guys listen to it. And I really hope you guys get something from it. Thank you. I'm here with my good friend, Devontae Hawkins, a.k.a. Shorty Bang. And the reason that he's here, the reason that we've uh, come together and started this meeting is because Devontae Hawkins, he was a guy who's in prison with me. He's a guy who came from a really rough background, and he's done something with his life. And that's the whole reason this podcast. And so what me and Devontae are going to do is basically we're going to talk about, do you go by Devontae now or is it Shorty Bang or is it both? I'm Devontae, man. Okay, no Devontae. Yeah. No more Shorty Bang? No more Shorty Bang, man. That's cool, man. That's good to hear. I think that means something, and you can explain that to us later. Um, if you ever think I'm distracted, I'm just looking at my paper right here. I just got a couple questions for you. Um, okay. So I'd like to start out, man. Um, who were you before you went to prison? I think that's the best place to start. Tell me, tell me like what you were doing, what, what your life was like, what kind of people you hung out with, just kind of just baseline. However you, however you feel based on that question. You know, prior to my incarceration, man, um, you know, I, of course, you know, I, I come from the hood, the projects, however you want to call it. But I was really just uh, a lost soul, man. I, I come from a gangbang back life uh, of gangbanging. You know, of course, I was involved with, with gangs and, uh, you know, drugs, you know, what have you. And um, this really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, you know, didn't have any sense of direction of where I wanted to go. You know, of course, I had some good people that tried to steer me in the right way, give me good advice. But, you know, I was so more involved with the street life and, uh, you know, drugs and just trying to get a quick dollar instead of, you know, thinking about tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? Thinking about my future. I grew up on the east side of Houston. Uh, partial of my life, but I also spent six years in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, until I was about 15. And, um, you know, during those times, man, I picked up a lot of bad habits, you know, a lot of environmental influences that really just, uh, you know, big city, nice city, but it also comes with a lot of, uh, a lot of temptation, man. So I was, I was more focused on living the street life, you know, okay. trying to get the fast buck any way that I could, you know, uh, trying to fit in, of course, you know, looking for love in the wrong places. And um, ultimately, man, that, that, that led to my demise of going to prison. You know, of course, you know, I, I graduated high school, I finished high school, but 
two or three years later, you know, I, I was in prison. Yeah. After trying college twice, you know, I dropped out of college twice. I just wasn't motivated. What was you know, what was your family life like? Um, for the most part, I have to say that my family life in Houston definitely could have been better. Mm-hmm. You know, that that plays a big part in, in any person's growth in life, man. But my family in Baton Rouge, that was really my stronghold. That was my stronghold, the most supportive. And it's really crazy how that's what I chose to leave from just to be in Houston, to live in Houston, you know, where I was born at. You know, my family in Baton Rouge is way more supporting than my family here in Houston. Okay. And that's just to be honest, you know what I mean? Was that like different parents or was it uncle and aunt or you had two different sets of families or what was that? Um, That's from, you know, my mom's side is here in Houston. My dad's side is there in Baton Rouge. Okay. And um, yeah, that's where that, that, that come from. You know, growing up, I have to be honest, man. Um, I'm a grandparent's child. Okay. You know, my, my grandfather on my mom's side and my grandmother on my dad's side, those are my mom and dad, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um, CPS got involved early in my life with, when I was nine years old with my mother, to which I was, you know, taken away from my mother and ended up going to live in Baton Rouge with my father. Yeah. And, uh, you know, although I love both my parents, you know, I, I really have to say that my dad put forth more of the effort, even though he had his issues with alcoholism, yeah. you know, and, and, and physical abuse. You know, it wasn't perfect, but me and my father have a better relationship. Well, that's really interesting because a lot of people like attribute and it's it's definitely uh, the truth. People who get involved in gangbanging and, and, and the prison type lifestyle where you're breaking the law and doing all that stuff. They attribute to uh, not having a mother and father, but you had both a mother and a father, although it wasn't perfect, correct? Um, it's just interesting that even though, you know, I had a mother and father as well, and I'm in prison. I had like, you might definitely a rough start in my own life, but I still ended up going down the wrong road. So that's the case a lot of times, but not all the time. And I'm not saying like you had some cushy life because obviously you didn't, but it's just, it's interesting that people, from still from the, the the better side with the mom and dad at least can still choose the other life, you know. You know, I, I have to I have to say on, on that man, even though I I um had a chance to live with you know my mother and my father, mm-hmm. it's it's not more so of having them present, but also their method of parenting. See, yeah, you know, it, it, that's definitely important that method of parenting because you know, whichever parent you're living with, they also have things that they're into, whether it's drugs as well, alcoholism, or, you know, just living a toxic life while that child's there witnessing it. You know what I mean? Okay. And, um, you know, both my mother and father both had the same issues with most part alcoholism. Yeah. And uh, broken, broken paths that they still haven't, you know, forgave things about which attributed it to their anger and their physical abuse towards me and, you know, just depression, all these things. So although I, I got to meet my father and know my father very well, is certain methods, you know, that weren't healthy on both standpoints, my mother and father, which may be, you know, be raised by my grandparents. You know, my grandmother, she's very, uh, very into my life. You know, the whole time I did in prison, she was just me and her. 
was near her. And my grandfather, he passed away from cancer when I was 17. And that too, you know, played a big part in things that start going downhill for me, you know. Parent is very important, man. The method of parents and not just having parents, but the parents' methods. Absolutely, absolutely. So what you saw this, your whole life, you saw people self-medicating in whatever ways they were, whether it was, whether, uh, you said mostly alcohol, right? And so is that how you learned to cope with just being, being a teenager in general? There's a lot of uncertainties in life. Like you're just, you don't know what's going on. Everything's super dramatic. And when you already mm -hmm. have all these other problems, like with real life problems, it just compounds that. So is that the way that you dealt with your problems was, was going and turning to alcoholism? Um, you know, in, in the environment that I come from, um, you just see a lot of, you see a lot of poverty, man. You see a lot of poverty, you know, a lot of people just down on hope, down on themselves, but quote unquote, still trying to survive. But in the midst of doing all that, of course, they self-medicate or they result to other measures like robbery or selling drugs yeah. to quote unquote better their situation. I guess for the most part, I just I just went with the flow. You know, I blended yeah. in with what everybody else was doing. And instead of alcoholism, I'm not a drinker. You know, I, I chose, you know, weed, smoke weed or pop Xanax pills, which was why I ended up in prison. Yeah. But in, in situations like, you know, poverty environments and violence and people just struggling, it's like the norm. It's the norm to see a 12, 13 year old kid smoking the blunt or yeah. this lady, you know, selling this and that for, for drugs or something. It's just the environment, it really plays a part on a, on a budding child growing up, what he sees around him. If yeah. there's no heroes, if there's no positive people there that's actually living a healthy life to show them, hey, this is the better way to go, of course, it's going to latch on to all he knows and what he predominantly sees every day. Mm -hmm. So what did the what did the the gang life provide you with? Because you did the gang life before going to prison, right? Yeah, I, I, I was um, I got put into the gang when I was 12 years old. OK. Uh, which, I was, you know, that's crazy. You know, I don't know if, like, if that sounds normal to you. Like, from my perspective, being in a gang at 12, year, 12 years old, like, I'm playing with Star Wars Legos. You know what I mean? Like, that sounds yeah. crazy. Does that sound crazy to you, or is that is that normal, like, where you're from? I mean, looking at it now, that's normal. But, like, again, you know, the environment where I was at, mm -hmm. it's, this was the norm. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. You go outside, and these were the guys that, quote unquote, ran the territory. These are the guys that, that you would see. These were the quote unquote heroes mm -hmm. that were having the nice things, the nice cars and had the most influence over the environment, whether it's the children, you know, the wife or the, the husband, well, these guys had the most influence. Now, again, it's kind of like I just fell right into it. It's like going from one grade to another. You kind of already knew that when I got this age, that this was the next step I was going to do was, was join this particular game. And honestly, man, in the beginning, it was just a sense of kind of like of uh, a community unity. You felt like you were joining the team, you know, a football yep, team, yep. basketball team. I tried. You know, yeah, we all wore the same clothes, had the same mannerisms, idioms or whatever. But ultimately, man, it didn't solve anything. No. I mean, it didn't solve the brokenness inside. Mm -hmm. 
you know, most people join gangs for the quote unquote the love or the, the bond, you know what I mean? Brotherhood, fatherhood, whatever it may be. But when I joined it, you know, it, it felt cool at first to be part of something. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing about gangs. A lot of young kids, they join gangs just to be part of something, to feel a part of something when they're not a part of something already positive, like family, for instance. And so what I thought it provided, it really didn't provide because when you get in it, you still on your own. You know what I mean? It's every man for themselves at the end of the day. Well, you I mean, you're 12 years old. What did you know? You know, like, like yeah. that's, that's something you really got to keep into perspective. And I think yeah. it's, uh, I just, I, I, for me, for me personally, from what I've seen in gangs and all I saw in gang was pretty much, um, you know, I saw a little bit growing up. Um, I lived in Vegas for a while and there was some definitely uh, Mexican gangs down there. But yeah. um, to me, it seemed like it was a, a, a false perception of what a man was supposed to be kind of like you're saying but it was like you're always you're always a child and and since I got to prison at 25 years old like I could see it even though I was you know stupid when I got in too but it was like to me it was like dude these guys never want to grow up and what's cool is what's done like there, there's no forward momentum yeah. it's like dude I'm gonna fight I'm gonna drink I'm gonna smoke I'm gonna have sex and that's all that matters in life and it's like is that all that matters in life? You know? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. like, man, the, the gang thing really played a big uh, psychological uh, slavery, if you will. It was a big mm-hmm. psychological slavery for me because even after I let go a lot of other things, I didn't really let go of gang living or gang activity until about the middle period of my incarceration. Yeah, it was psychological imprisonment, man. Feeling like, you know, I've been doing, I've been, I've been this since I was twelve years old. How do I just let it go and turn over a new leaf? How do I live? How do I start to act? You know, and that showed me that I truly didn't even know myself because I had absorbed myself so fully in the gang life that I didn't even know who I was as Devontae yeah. Hawkins. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, yeah, and. Uh, you know, I still have family members, friends that that's in the gang life, and to each his own. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel like it was it was just a stepping stone to getting better, not a place that you're supposed to stay. Yeah, you're supposed to learn from these experiences. You know, learn from what you learn from with them, and grow, man, grow from that, go past that. So you don't have any like it really like what you said. You said like basically like. Um, you almost don't regret it. Like, cause you said it's a stepping stone to get you to the next level. And I like right. that because all of the things, like whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, that's the whole way I look at my prison experiences. It's like, dude, I'm glad that I experienced that. I'm glad that I went through that because all the things I learned there, yeah. all the things I learned in my failures, I can, I can produce good things in my life from the bad things I went through. And these bad things can even teach you good things. Like, you know, they teach you, they teach you loyalty. They teach you respect. They teach you to stand up for yourself. Although it's in yeah. a, perverse way it's still teaching you something yeah um i i wouldn't say that i I regret it man yeah i wouldn't say i regret it but at the same time i'm not praising it but i don't regret it because of the like you say the certain things that i did learn from it because it, it took me to go through those hardships and those bumping my heads and those trials man to learn and gain wisdom from them 
it's one thing to, to go through something and not learn from it and to continue practicing what insanity. Yeah. But to learn from them and to gain from them, man, I feel like that's the bigger blessing. Now, of course, you know, you know stand up for yourself and, you know, loyalty, the things that you mentioned, those are very pivotal and just being a man, period. True. You know, but like you say, the way that they were taught, you know, they were in many perverse ways, man. They wouldn't help. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've, I've hurt, I've hurt people in the process. You know, I've, I've took from people in this process, you know, and, and, and it just, it, it's a big cost. It's yeah. a big cost versus the reward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that's wonderful. And I really think that, that uh, a lot of people can, can spend their life like at your age right now, you're almost 30, right? Or you are 30. And yeah, I'm 28 years old. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could be like, man, I wasted, I wasted all the time. I did this, I did that, but it's wonderful when you can look back and be like, man, look at the kind of man I am right now. Look at me standing on my own two feet. Look at the, and I definitely want to talk about for sure later about the, the, the father that you are right now. I think that's amazing. I think it's super inspiring, but before we do that, I definitely want to, I want you to tell me more about uh, the prison experience, like the, the difference between that and the street life and how that molded you as a man and how you escaped from that. So let's start like, you go into prison for uh, drugs or whatever you went to prison for. And how was that compared to where you were? I went to prison for aggravated robbery. Okay. Deadly weapon. I went to prison right when I was, uh, I had my first son. You know, I was about to be, about to be 20. And, um, you know, when you go in, when you go into prison, man, I tell everybody, man, it's not, this is not TV, man. It's not, sitcom and nothing like that man just this is real life and then you're in it and so when i first got there initially you know me being i came in a gang member so i'm already looking for the the test you know what i mean the test of uh, your manhood you know what i mean who gonna come and try to test you this and that and i'm only five foot four i'm a small guy (laughs) so (laughs) i'm a small guy so you got tested a lot right yeah i went there with my chest up man I went with my chest up with something to prove. But really, um, prison, a lot of prison bars based on just respect, man. You know, nobody will really get in your lane if you don't particularly get in their lane. But man, it was a mental blockage. You feel so compressed when you're in prison because it's just walls around you and different personalities, man. So for the most part, when I first got there, I just stayed to myself to figure things out, learn things. But it, it puts such an anguish on my mind thinking about, you know, my kids, because I had my son and also my daughter was born, you know, right right when I left. And so now I'm a father in prison, but it's like you can't think about the things that are outside world because now you have a whole nother, another demon to deal with right in front of you. You know what I mean? You have to focus yeah. on everyday life in prison, man. And, you know, wasn't wasn't anything too much, you know, fun about prison. It was it's all mental. In prison, bro, it's all mental, man. It's all mental on how you deal with situations, man. You know, I couldn't believe that I had a 10-year sentence. And I felt like I was gonna do the whole 10. And yeah. at that age, that's it's like it seems like a lifetime to you. So it was a very it was very dark in the beginning. You know, it was very dark in the beginning. And uh, things didn't really start looking up, man, for a while. But what I did, I took the initiative to start going to the library. It may be funny, you know, to a lot of people, man, but when you can't talk to anyone 
or you don't have that many, you know, activities to uh, venture out and express yourself. I went to a library and started looking up different books, different types of books to read, not, you know, urban novels, or anything, something that's going to feed me yeah. from substance. And so I got off into a lot of the, uh, you know, the psychological book, of course, I started reading a lot of literature, you know, Carl Jung, like me and you shared, and each, you know, um, books, right? And of course, you know, I read a lot of cultural books about being, you know, African American and why we go through the, the, the mental ignorance that we go through and how to get from that. So books was really a, a great outlet that set me free, man, on top yep. of, of course, my high power. Okay. You said, uh, you said Nietzsche and Young, it, it cut out for a second, but it all came back. And then you read some cultural books about uh, being black and, and why your thinking is, is what it is. Could you, could you explain uh, that last part to me? Like, what is that? Because I have a hard time understanding that from, from my perspective. What is it? What cultural things makes you think the way you think? Like, just explain that to the, to the audience. Like, what you learned. Um, you know, culturally, you know, not to be biased, but speaking from you know, African-American perspective, there are certain obstacles and there's certain things that, that we're going to experience that needs proper and delicate explanation, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and tools to get out of the mind frame that the ghetto was all we would have, the ghetto was yeah. all that we yeah. know, that we will never rise above the ghetto, that I can't be an upstanding citizen in the community that I can't get out of gang life or drug life, okay. you know, that I always have to be a quote unquote thug mm -hmm. versus a man. And again, how to be a man, because a lot of, a lot of us in those environments, we don't have fathers yeah. or positive male role models. Yeah. So how do you be a man if you never were given the example of those things? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell you this about, about that, about the, um, I think, and I'll, I'll share this with Adrian on the podcast that we that we talked about, and he disagreed. He thought it was the hardest to be Mexican, but um, in prison, um, I would say from the people that I watched that got the hardest time for changing, it was always the black guys. Like anytime a black guy tried to get out of the situation he was in, all the homeboys, man, would ride down, ride down, ride down. You, what are you? You trying to be white? You trying to be this? You trying to be that? Just because you're reading a book, or just because you're trying to do differently? And I was like man, that is crazy. Cause I, I had some homeboys and they just like, all of a sudden it's like, uh, everyone pressured them. They're like, Hey, I can't, I can't kick it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Crazy. And you know, believe, believe it or not, believe it or not, damn bro. I went through the same things. Yeah. I went through the same things. Even when I came home, I've only been home since April. Yeah. But I've been through the same things with, with some of my old friends and, and, and uh, family members, mm -hmm. you know, not truly knowing and believing the transformation that I made. Yeah. It's always the standpoint of you're trying to be someone else, you're trying to be this. The 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 conscious, bro, the conscious are always responsible for the unconscious. So with the feedback I was getting, man, I just kind of brushed it off because to me they would never understand until they go through the experience themselves. Hopefully yeah. they don't have to go to prison. Hopefully they don't have to meet a near-death experience. But African Americans, man, and our culture. It's just a lot of hate, man. It's a lot of haters that don't want to see you do something different. You know what I mean? Now you have some that 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 
promotes it. And those are usually your guys who are actually living that life of, you know, college and upstanding, you know, men in their families and communities. But for the most part, man, if you're trying to, you know, leave gang life, leave the street life, it's, it's going to meet some, um, it's going to meet some challenges. It's going to meet some, some negative feedback all the time. I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. I'm, I'm, and, I'm extremely interested in this, like, honestly, because it's like, with all the political stuff going on, it's like, it's, it's really hard to know what, like, what is the issue here, right? And so I want to ask you just from personal experience, and me and you have always been able to have open dialogue about anything, without going too far away from your story, but just a little bit. Um, do you think it's the, the, the Black culture, African-American culture, that's harder? Or do you think it's the culture outside that's harder? Or do you think it's a combination of both? Like, uh, explain that. From, um, from, your, from your experience, because your experience is your experience, you know? I have to say that it will be the the mixture mm-hmm. because when you know when you have when you have different coaches that don't understand each other necessarily, yeah. that's gonna always be a clash. So and when you throw these things together without the proper, you know, explanation and understanding going on, it's gonna mm-hmm. forever be a clash, man. I, I don't I don't try to put, you know, African Americans above any other culture, but of course I've only I only know African American culture. Yeah, right. I lived it. You know, I live it every day. So I can't downplay the things that we see on, you know, TV and the things that I, that I that I see from my own eyes growing up, man. But I feel like it's a mixture that, that that's the issue of one side not wanting to understand the other side, whether that's African Americans understanding um, Hispanic or you know Caucasian side, or whether that's Caucasian Hispanics not understanding the African American side. Yeah, you know. It's when there's a lack of understanding there, man, there's going to always be problems, man, because we all have our problems that just sure. come in different forms at different levels. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's whites and Mexicans in different hoods and ghettos as well that experience, you know, that lifestyle. And, and that doesn't mean that they don't like, that's, that's their experience and they're from the ghetto and, and they still, they might not have a mom, they might not have dad. So I think that, you know, yeah, culturally, it typically will fall under a race, but anybody can experience hard times. Anybody can feel oppressed. If you if you sit there and count your fingers, uh, you're like, man, well, my 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 father's dead. You know, I didn't I didn't have this in life. People doubted me. I went to prison. I'm a felon. Blah 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 blah. I can continually just be like, dude, I don't have any way out of the situation I am. And then you got all your family and everyone else saying, I don't believe you because I know who you were. You know, and so right. like, I think I think a lot of those things are are essentially could be motivators like the more the more people who don't believe in you the more it's like dude i'm gonna prove you wrong you know yeah yeah and you know honestly for for a while man i I was stuck in a box because his historically historically this is what makes african-americans angry Mm -hmm. if you you know just to be you know frank and blunt you know, a lot of people say that the African Americans we we just angry, man. But if it's it's historically looking at you know the how things have been since the beginning of time, you know what I mean. But I've learned to kind of look at it as you know where we come from and how things are now. Even if certain things haven't changed, it's just a matter of individually. Individually, you have to be the best you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you have to be the best you. And surround yourself with like minds that have the same, you know, perspective and view as you. 
You know what I mean? Then we can make a change. And and like I say, but we we can't expect huge changes overnight, man. Yeah. Even though it's been a long plight, you know, for African Americans in different areas to achieve certain things, it just this this type of things takes patience, man. Yeah. yeah. Patience. It takes uh, optimism. Mm-hmm. It takes optimism, man. You know, because honestly, man, like I say, I had my issues in prison. Why I, I didn't want to deal with any any other races, you know what I'm saying, but my own because what people don't understand is that in prison, man, racism, racially charged. <laughs> racially charged in prison, man. Yeah. It's not like out here. It's not like, it's, it's way 10 times better out here than in prison. Oh, yeah. Everything you charged. You have certain showers. That's, that's, that's for each race. We, 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 we um, have our own tables, our own benches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's super racially charged, man, in prison. And so... And, and for anybody who, like, that's not the, the police doing that. That's the community. Like, you, know. The you know what I mean? That's the inmates. Yeah. Administers these rules in there, man, to quote, unquote, keep the, yeah. the tension down or the friction, man. But I'm looking at my mind now compared when I was in there, man. You know, I, I got institutionalized and fell right into it with those yeah. same rules and those same you know, different verbiages, man, on, on how to how I should live as an inmate. You know, with versus you know, getting institutionalized with the same dumb systematic rules that we came up with for ourselves, man. And I I blocked myself off from other people, yeah. you know, coaches, you know what I mean? And that 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 really inhibited a lot of growth, man. Stopped me from meeting, you know, new people, beautiful people. Yeah. And I just didn't not looking at it now, man. I'm glad that I began to make that transition. I only made that transition like the last year or two of my, in my prison <laughs> yeah. incarceration, man. Yeah. You know, because predominantly, man, you know, it was the same. I, I didn't deal with, you know, with the Caucasian. You know, I very deal with the Hispanics, feeling as if my people were the only ones that could show me something, teach me something. I don't know when the last time I heard Caucasian was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because in there, that's not what we say. You know yeah, what I mean? White boy or whatever. Uh, you know, some lady called me Anglo the other day. She was trying to be politically correct. She's like, you're uh, Anglo, right? I was like, what? what Damn, dog. Yeah. Damn, dog. And uh, like, so, so prison's super racially divided. You know, there's, there's blacks, oh. there's whites, there's, there's Mexicans. Um, dude, the only thing that we had, we didn't have no internet. We had CNN, we had Fox, we had this. And dude, I, I remember, dude, like, me and you, like we're 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 great 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 friends, and we talked every day. But I feel like right. that stuff actually started to divide us, dude. Like watching the news every day, they're saying like, you know, you're black and you're white. You guys should hate each other forever. Like essentially, like they're saying that in so many words, dude. And it was like, like it was terrible. Like all, and, and you know how people are in prison, dude. They only want to watch the news, and it was terrible, dude. It was yeah, terrible yeah. every day. You know, um, yeah. white people are coming, black people, and, and and everyone should hate each other. Hey, but the, I don't think you were there. You already left with the George Floyd thing. But we could take it back from something else that we saw in the new while you were there. And me and you're sitting there and it's like, you know, like, how, how do we interact about this? How do we go about this? Because it's it's a, it's an awkward situation, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. When you, they show this stuff on the news, but I also, I have a, a guy that's my best friend. He's Caucasian. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do we voice about this? And then when you begin to voice about it, if if me for my you know being an African American, if I feel that it's not being you're not seeing my point, then now I'm upset. Yeah. 
And then now we're not talking for a couple of days because it's like, man, <laughs> it's like I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the stuff to be downplayed that's being shown on TV, man. Now yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put this, I'm gonna put this out here. Yeah, I'm gonna put this out here right now. And say this yeah. openly, man. That I used to make a lot of excuses mm-hmm. from my folks, man. You know what I mean? Now I understand, and I come out of prison, and things are not all sweet. But watch this. You have to put the effort in for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're African American, you understand certain things that's that we call whatever roadblocks or whatever. Oh, you that doesn't mean just settle and just say F it. I'm just gonna stay and drink and drug and thug forever. You have to keep pushing forward, man. You have to keep pushing forward. Like, like nobody's gonna give you anything, especially being a felon, or especially oh, yeah. if you you know you're different you know, race or from whatever. You have to put the work in yourself, man. So I'm not gonna enable you by just using race solely as the reason why we can't move forward, man. I'm not doing that no more, man. I used to do that. And when I did that, I look at what we're doing. We talking about, you know, the the white man, you know, holding us back, doing this and that. But, But while we talk, having these conversations, we're, Sniffing lines, are we smoking the blunt? Are we doing X? Are we selling drugs? So how does that fit into somebody else holding us back versus our own self-will and discipline not being cultivated, knowing we need better? You know what I'm saying? Knowing we need better things to transpire in our own lives. You know what I'm saying? So it's about accountability for the most part, man. Now I'm not I'm not finna sit here and um and sugarcoat man like that not some unfair things that does goes on yeah. against the races, you know, whether it's African-Americans or Hispanics. I'm not going to sit and act like those things don't exist. Yeah. But for the most part, man, you have to change some, some things within yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. As well. I think that's excellent. They can, they, they can come and give us all these opportunities that we feel, you know, we need, uh, let, let, let's say reparations, right? <laughs> hey man, let, let me pause you on that one real quick. You ever watch the Chappelle show? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I just watched that the other day. I was like, I can't believe how far they went with the reparations joke. He bought a he bought a whole thing of uh what was watch this what watch this while I'm going, man. Look. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got me on? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I I was about um let's say reparations, for example, man. Yeah. If we would actually get this money, sure, and this it'll be a lot of money, right? What would we do with the money? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a direct, healthy plan, what are you gonna do with the money, man? Yeah, am I gonna blow it on making it rain in the club? Um, you know, buying a bunch of drugs, buying you know a bunch of clothes or cars or you know th- this is the basic stigma of African American community. I can say this because I, I'm from and I live it. Yeah. Are we going to do this or are we going to put our heads together to create businesses, mm-hmm. jobs, some fruitful things, right? Yeah. So it's like, bro, you can't ask for something that you're not ready for. Exactly. And Because if you get it, how are you going to um, hold on to it? What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. So this is me, man, who, you know, for those that are watching that, that are African-American, it's like, man, we have to realize, man, that if you can't be responsible with the thing that you have now, mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do, let's say, if we do get more, get, get yeah. these things? 
And with the little, you know, the opportunity that we do have now, are you taking full initiative, full initiative to utilize them? Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to work at, you know, McDonald's or Burger King, whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you have to start somewhere, man, come out of prison doing 10, 20 years, you have to start somewhere, man. It's called humbling yourself. Yeah. I work right now for, for a job packaging. I'm packaging cheesecakes, man. Big, big old gangster just did all that time in prison, blah, blah, blah. I'm packaging cheesecakes for $11 an hour. Yeah. It's not nothing, but I have to start somewhere, man, yeah. because I don't have experience. It's not, it's not about me being black. I don't have experience. I'm a felon. I have to start from somewhere versus me just sitting, you know, sitting on my butt, like just complaining about it. When I came home, I had 60 days on the leg monitor, man. Oh, man. That's, that's prison after prison, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. just sitting in the house. They allowed me to go to work. And I could have chose, you know what, man, I'm going to just sit 60 days in the house and I do them, you know, forget them. Like, like I'm hurting them. Yeah. But instead, I chose to work those 60 days, only just go to work and come home. That's all they allowed me to do. But I took that initiative, man. You know, race, man, man, dang, man. Race is a very deep, impactful thing for me, man. Conversation, man, for me, man, because I have to, I have to see both sides, man. But stop giving my folks excuses, man. Because yeah. a lot of things that we do, bro, is disgusting, man. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not even, we're not even trying to push forward. There's no unity, man. There's no unity, man. But what I we think can't. you said about the uh, the reparations thing, I mean, we've already seen that with stimulus checks, like in a small oh, in a small plan. And not I'm not talking just black. I'm talking about everybody. Everybody, like, all this stupid crap. They're not they're not investing. They're not buying anything. They're like, dude, I'm gonna buy the, the newest PlayStation. I'm gonna buy the newest this. Like, you aren't ready for that. This is just a little, you know. Now you yeah. now nobody wants to work because they got thousand dollars at a time. And it's like, like you, you, know, you know, I'm, I'm gonna show you some about the experience we just went through with yeah. money when you go in the commissary man oh man we learn money management in prison man oh yeah you can either go down there knowing you probably only get twenty dollars a month fifty dollars a month a hundred dollars a month but you have to go down there and strategically fill out your list for things that you need man mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's the same way when you come home out into the world where you're dealing with bigger dynamics mortgages car notes food budgeting i have to keep that same thing in, in play when I'm there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm out here, I make $11 an hour, but I make it look good because I know what to spend it on. Yeah, that's that's I not, that's, that's that's a good amount. It's not, yeah. it's not minimum wage, right? That's not bad. That's, that's it's not, it's a, it's a couple of dollars up for minimum wage. That's and good. so I have to take that and make it look good, man. Yeah. It's time to be responsible, man, as men. Yeah, absolutely. Period, man, uh, whatever color, man. Yeah. And, um, for me, you know, particularly being African American, I strive to be an example of mm -hmm. what an African American man should look like. Yeah. What he should be doing. Bro, I'm not a thug no more, man. I'm yeah. not Shorty Bang no more, man. I'm Devontae Hawkins, man. That's what my kids would know me as. That's what my family knows. My wife knows me as. Yeah. You know, nick nicknames, man, those are for kids, man. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah. Yeah. for anybody that's offended by that, but those are for kids, man. I was Shorty Bang in prison. I was shorty bang in the street, but I'm Devontae Hawkins in my family, man. I, I think that's excellent, man, that that what you're saying like that. I think we as men, you know, no matter what race, need to stand up right now with all this confusion, with all this weird stuff going on. 
and to, and to show to show to show you know your culture your race your whatever like just other people dude that that this is what a man's supposed to be a man takes responsibility a man a man owns up like yeah i did that but here i am now here i and, and like explain to me um because you basically said you changed when you started reading books and you changed when you started like basically self-differentiating and you're like man what's really going on you know explain to me the impact that you, because we're going to go into that, that you being a father had on you in your transition into becoming a man. Um, you know, and it's, again, it started with the books, man. Yeah. It started with the books, reading different books about, um, you know, fatherhood. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what, 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 um, what race the book was written by, fatherhood and just being a man man you know what i mean yeah so it started from books and learning that you must fulfill your obligation as a parent man yeah i i I have to want better for my child that i didn't have if i knew i was neglected as a child by my parents if i knew that all i received was you know emotion from alcoholism you know whenever they're drunk or whenever they were high then i I, of course i want to do different for my child and so I really had to sit back and put myself in my child's position. How did my son feel? How did my daughter feel with an absent father that's not able to attend the school events? That's not able to, you know, simply tuck a man that night or, you know, cheer him on at that game. And so when I begin to do that, it's when the hurt hit, the guilt hit, man. Because see, a lot of you have a lot of fathers, man, out here that, that don't feel any guilt or no hurt by not being there for their child, man. But when you put yourself in that child's shoes at that age, that delicate age, then that's when when that when that empathy starts. So in prison, man, not being able to see my child, not being able to, I, I didn't see my kids the whole time I was in prison, man. Eight years on a 10-year sentence. Man. I watched them grow up through pictures. I didn't know them. And when I was speaking to them on the phone, you can tell, you can see the the distance. We didn't know each other. You can't parent over the phone, y'all. You can call home and talk to your son and daughter, but you can't parent over that phone, man. That that only goes so far. And, you know, I just recently was able to see my son for the first time, 4th of July weekend. <laughs> and I got to be honest, man, it it, it it was a great experience. But, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share with you the cons, man. You can tell that my son does not know me. My son doesn't know me. And that hurts that you have to rebuild that bond. It didn't make me say, you know what, forget it. He don't know me, just give up, it's over with, let him go on about his life. He doesn't know me, but I can tell he wants to know me. And that takes patience. Mm -hmm. He wants to know me. And it's mixed with hurt. But it's all, it goes back to that one choice I made at 19 years old. 28 years old now, man, but that, that one choice I made still affects me to this day. So it's important that you be careful on the choices that you choose to make in this life. I have a daughter on the way right now. I'm married. I have a daughter on the way. Number three? Yeah, this will be my third kid. My third I have two daughters and one son. And so with this child, with, with the renewed and transformed mind that I have, right, I have more of a betterment from from birth all the way up. Now I've already did my prison experience. I already had that time to bump my head. I have a better standpoint of teaching my child, not being a father, man. 
Yeah. You know, th these things are very important. So what do you think, uh, with, with, with all that being said, what a lot of people, man, they come out, they have good intentions, they find religion in prison, they find this, this, that, and the other. How, what are you doing now to stay out of that life? To stay out of the what life? To stay out of the life that it's going to send you right back. Man, I'm staying, <laughs> staying away from people, places, and things. Because I, I know, I know you, I know you've stumbled. I've stumbled too, you know, but we're still here. Yeah, you know, when I came home, man, I'll be honest about it, man. When I came home, you know, I, I had some drinks, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tested the waters. I, I, I didn't smoke or anything. I didn't do any, you know, controlled substance or anything like that. But I did, I did have some drink. One drink led to another drink, another drink. Now I'm drinking. So it's like I had to, you have to catch yourself, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to catch yourself. Don't go to prison and you're doing all that talk in prison. You know, you, you, you know, like you say, you find religion, you're doing this and that, and you come home, nothing's perfect. You're going to, you know, you slip. But catch yourself. I had to sit down and catch myself one night like, man, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't drinking in prison. I wasn't, you know, doing nothing in prison. You know, towards the end when I made my transfer, man, I wasn't doing any things in prison, but now that I'm back into the world, this is why people kind of count us out when we go to jail and come home and find religion or we've changed because they don't believe it because yeah. we go back to doing the same thing. They say, right, all they know, right? Right. They've been waiting to say, I told you so, yeah. or I knew you really wasn't, you know, this and that, what you were saying, those letters or over the phone. So I had to catch myself because I didn't want all that work I put into myself to go to chain, to go to waste. Yeah. And so what I did, man, you know, I came home, you know, I, I, I met my wife, you know, while I was still in prison, you know, I got married and I, I just been living a, a married life so far, man, just been not in the streets. I'm, I'm living the home family life. I go to work, I go home, I go places with my wife, you know, we, we don't go to the club or we don't go to, you know, places where we know is toxic or, or can lead me back to prison, bro. And friends, I've honestly had to cut off a lot of friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of friends. And watch this, Dane. Yeah. A lot of family I had to cut off as well. A lot of family, man. You're watching people out there, man, a lot of family you're going to have to cut off as well. That's not going to contribute to your growth, man. They're not going to believe you. They're not going to motivate you to keep walking that walk. So yeah. not only friends I had to cut off, I had to cut off a lot of family, man. And it hurt, and they look at you a certain type of way. But when you have an X on your back, man, you 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 can't test that water. Yeah, you can't test the water. You got to cut it off right then and there. There's no well, maybe I can, you know, just hang with him while he's drinking. I'm not going to drink, but I can still be around him. But don't test the water because you have to know yourself. Yeah, you got no limit, man. If you can't be around that weed smoke without, you know, I mean, I'm gonna just tap it because it's gonna eventually lead to that, man. If that's your yeah. drug of choice. Yeah. Whether it's meth, you know, weed, alcoholism, pills, whatever, just don't go around it, man. Separate yeah. yourself completely. Well, you remember there there was a time in your life and in my life where, you know, we're sitting there and we're in white and we're talking to each other. Remember, like, like it's crazy to even think about this right now. Like me and you were looking at each other in the eyes, and remember, we're sitting there in white, dude. You're like, man, I would do anything to get out and stay out, right, dude? And like, man, I was so. Some, a big mistake I made, man, um, is I was so strict on myself, like, so, like, just freaking just, yeah. no, I'm not doing that. Y'all used to make fun of me, like, this dude ain't going to do nothing wrong. Not that I didn't. I did do some stuff wrong for right. sure. But um, 
two things that I can say that I did wrong. One thing is when you start doing really good, when you start reading all these books, when you start getting spiritual awakenings, you gain this pride, dude. And it's bad. Like it can get bad. Like you're like, man, look at like in your head, you're like, I'm way up here. And then you look at people down there and you're like, yeah. what a freaking idiot. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't right. remember that that was you, you know? And that's, that's, that's a hard thing to get over because you're like, dude, you're still sitting here. I can do a thousand sit-ups. You're only doing one. What a retard. You know what I mean? Like, you look down on that person, dude. And it's like, and, and it's like, that is so, that is so bad. And that's going to send you right back to square one is pride and not having empathy for other people because like that is, that was you. And that could be you in a second. The crazy thing about growth, dude, is you could, you could spend a, a hundred years climbing up a mountain and you could fall down in one day and you're all the way back yeah. to the bottom, dude. And, and I, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I've never shared it on my podcast or anything yet, but I've come, I've come damn close. Do you know what I mean? As, 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 uh, as disciplined as I am, as good as I am, as awake as I am, as much wisdom recently screwed up pretty bad. And it was like, you know, I know, I know, I know that God's got my back, you know, m- my belief, man, I, I know God's got my back. I know that he's watching after me because dude, like, I did something real stupid, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, dude, like, uh, like this is not me, dude, you know? And so, like, because I had this, I had this false sense of pride where I was like, man, I could never do that. I could never do that again. I'm fine. I can control yeah. myself. And all of a sudden, dude, you know, crazy Dane's back, you know, just in one night. And I'm like, oh, no, dude. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so, um, it, it humbles you, man. And you got to be humble, dude. You got to be like, man, like, like, I'm not. There's, there's a verse in the Bible that I always, I always remember. It says, uh, do not value yourself more than you think you ought to, you know, like, like you think, you think you're up here, you're really down here, you know? And, and there's nothing wrong with, with personal pride. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being like, man, I've come so far. I've come a long way. But when you, that personal pride starts making you look down on others, it's like, you need to get rid of that real quick or it's, or your God's going to humble you somehow, you know? You know? You know, bro, what's what, what's the biggest thing right here that wakes first that wakes us up, like being in prison, coming from prison, is that it's easy to do your thing in a controlled environment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, this is what I had to realize right when I came home. It was easy for me to, you know, make a change, quote unquote, in a controlled environment. Not drink, not smoke. You know, uh, work out every day. Uh, not do this, and like you say, have that pride, that sense of pride about myself, and kind of looking looking down on on other people who weren't quite there yet it's easy to have that in a controlled environment but once you get back out here oh yeah once you get back out here once i got back out here i I quickly saw hey man i'm i'm no different from anybody else like i say because i yeah i like i I said i never take another drink again i never do this again and some of those same things I did like take a drink, you know what I mean? Took a, took a couple drinks, right? My attitude, attitude since I've been out and had instances with my attitude. And uh, I went to a treatment facility. I got an FI, me and you both went to um, a treatment facility, FI5 program. And they talk about, you know, quote unquote, thinking, thinking, and, you know, core beliefs and these, you know, all these other things. And Initially, but you can have all the religions, you can have all the literature, you can have all the, you know, book smarts. But man, the true you will always, yeah. you know, come out, man. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be careful not to be haughty, not to get haughty and get too full of yourself. Because I feel so disappointed in myself, man. Looking at, you know, I'm drinking, drinking, you know what I'm saying? Never smoked a cigarette in my life. Come home, smoking cigarettes. It's like these things just show you, bro, that 
you can't look down on anyone else because you can fall just as quick. Yeah. But it's a matter of picking yourself back up. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just say, see, this is what I tell, I told my brother this, man. Strive past the excuse of not being perfect. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, because you will hear somebody always say, well, you know, when you try to, I don't say chastise them, I'll say constructively critique them on something, as you're like, well, man, you know I ain't perfect. I understand you're not perfect. But watch this, strive past that explanation. Strive past the explanation of, well, I'm not perfect. Okay, nobody expects you to be perfect, but strive past that excuse, though. You know what I'm saying? Not expect you to be perfect, but strive. Don't don't just have that as your as your reason for, you know, continuously uh, smoking, drinking, or whatever it may be. Strive past that. You know what I mean? Strive towards strive toward perfection, even though you'll never be perfect, but strive towards it in the best way that you can. You know what I mean? Don't just sit there and use that as an excuse. Yeah. And I think too that um something that you, you kind of touched on too is don't condemn yourself, man. When you mess up, if you start condemnation is the worst, absolute worst thing you can do to yourself. If I if I mess mm-hmm. up, you know, maybe, maybe I'm 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 being a little dramatic about how hard how big of a deal it was, because really like it wasn't. But for me, yeah. it was, you know, but you, I could sit there and look at myself and be like, oh, man, here he is again. Freaking loser. Might as well go back to prison. You know what I mean? Like, you're an idiot. You're never going to learn. You know, and you start hearing those voices. You got to tell those voices in your head, man. Shut the heck up, dude. Like, I ain't listening. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, um, just, you know what? I messed up. Move on. I made my apologies. People don't want to accept it. Whatever. You know, that's all I can do. I would be so hard on myself about if I missed a workout or if I couldn't yeah, yeah. You know, do a certain movement on the workout, but I'd be so hard on myself. Like, man, you're a weenie, bro. You know what, what I mean? That, the, the muscle up? The muscle ups. Yeah. But eventually I got fantastic at them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Don't condemn yourself, man. Give yourself a chance. Give yourself um, room to grow. Mm-hmm. And I have to, you know, share this with my wife, man, you know, because this particular subject of marriage, man, you have to give yourself room to grow with each other. There's no book, man. You can read as many marriage books. I'm not, you know, knocking no, no, nobody's, you know, book about marriage, but man, there's no full manual instructions on marriage, but you have to allow yourself the room to grow and communicate, man. It's, because it's, I never thought I'd be married. Never thought I'd be married. It's about the experience, man. Like, like, women are crazy, bro. I know I got a lot of women listeners. Y'all are crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They know they, they know they are. <laughs> No, it's just, it's, what's that? Especially when they're pregnant, man. Oh, man, I bet. I haven't experienced that yet. I'm so excited for that day. <laughs> my, my, wife, my, my wife just threw sour cream all over the wall, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's funny, man. But, uh, but it, it, it's, a, it, it's a beautiful thing, and it really helps. It helps with somebody who's coming out of prison to have that support. Yeah. To have that support, someone that believes in you and not judging you based on what you are on paper yeah you know i'm not a number anymore yeah i'm Devante. you know you're dane and and i kind of got stuck into it man in prison just believing i was just a number and i had to be a certain way absolutely i don't regret prison i always i will say this forever since i've been home a lot of my family um have tried to tell me i need to you know speak to the young guys try to speak to you know the up-and-coming youth and that's fine Nothing wrong with that. I would do my part, but at the end of the day, it's up to that that person's choice whether he wants to go this way or that way. Well, here's a here's a hell of a start right now. I mean, you're doing it, dude. Like, 
I always said when I, when I, when I got out, dude, I was like, and that's the reason I started this. And I've had a, a fair amount of viewers and stuff, and it's really not about that, but I've had at least, you know, a handful of people tell me that something I said inspired them or touched them. And, um, that means the world to me. And that gives me purpose. And that makes me to a point where I don't want to get out. And I've also had, man, I've had like this, this, this crap will make me cry, dude. Like three or four people in prison who got out who were like, dude, if I didn't meet you, I don't know if I'd be where I'm in right now. I don't know if I would be with my family, with my daughter. Like one of my friends, he just, he just got to see his daughter after never seeing her, never any possibility. He's going to go back and use meth type stuff, his mentality. You know what I mean? Like, I can't wait till my next hit, you know, and that's not something I did, but it's because like, um, I believe that as, as men, we have such a huge responsibility to share the things that we've learned with others. And that's, that's what we're doing right now, man. And it's, 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 it's so much more important than you think it is so much more important than I think it is. Cause like if, if whoever impacted you when, when you were there, didn't that initial person and then the person after that, the person after that, and all the people you impacted, you don't know who they're going to be. You don't know who they were going to be. If you had not just, you know, all you got to do is pat someone on the back and say, Hey, I see you, man. And you're doing a good job. That's it. That's like, that's the best advice you can give somebody. If it's the truth, you know, I'll tell you the truth, man, you, the relationship that me and you had, yeah. definitely played a big part of who I chose to keep with me and come home with. You know what I mean? Bro, I, I dress different. Yeah. You know what I mean? I walk different. I, I speak different. I'm, I'm my, my, my mannerisms are that of a man. man. Mm-hmm. I pride myself on that. You know, I don't, I, I came out and I saw, when I came home, everybody was hitting with the, uh, what do you call it? The PPP loans, mm-hmm. 20,000. And man, they were balling, right? Everybody, you know, I used to hang with, they ball and they got this and that. But I chose a humble stance. Yeah. Chose the humble stance to give me a job, you know, dress, dress accordingly, and to just uh play my own lane. Yeah. I gotta play my own lane, man, because I'm a feather now already. I already been to prison. So I had to play my own lane and be cautious, man. But I really value the relationship that me and you had. Oh yeah, man. We, we were strong, man. Share books with each other, share literature share opinions with each other. And at the time, man, some some of those opinions, I probably didn't understand. I probably got upset about them. But later, yeah, I had to understand from the view, man, and it, it was all from a, a healthy uh, standpoint, but it was all good. Like right Honestly, now, I don't, know if you can hear. Like, I don't know if you can hear right now, but some idiot is like blasting his music, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I actually can't, so that's good. And it's like, bro, certain stuff will never stop, man. Certain stuff will never stop, man, but it's about you you going forward. You know, me coming home, I wanted to um, get my CDL. I remember I shared it with you, get my CDL. And so I, I just finished getting my, my regular driving license. So now I can move forward with taking the CDL test. Yeah. I get my, you know, CDL and trucking license and all these things. But, bro, it's real out here, man. It's, this is, the re- this is yeah. reality. Yeah. And people call it the free world, but, man, ain't nothing free out here, man. No, no, but it's 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 still free, dude. You know, like it's, you are free. That's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the amazing freedom, thing. And before, before you don't let me compliment you, man, I'm going to compliment you. Your relationship is very important to me and, and you helped me more than you think you did. You know, like, like I had to open up my mind to understand from somebody else's perspective. Like mm-hmm. I can sit here and I can think these things, but until like, just from just a different type of guy, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with race, just a different type of person. You're different. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're, me and you are completely different people, but we got along. We were friends. We did have a falling out and dude, you know, we move on, we live and we learn. And, and it, it took, uh, 
some severe humbling on my part to be like, man, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. You know, it, it takes me a long time to admit I'm wrong, but I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong about some things. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that we're out. And it's, it, to me, it's, it's so crazy, dude, that pretty much everybody we were locked up with that, like that, that we were kind of tight with is getting out right now. And it's, now, cool. Man. it's cool to have a social media and see that. It's cool to see them. They get girlfriends, they're having kids, they're getting married. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. not, they're, there's, there's a couple of guys who, who, uh, you know, are, are going back to that old lifestyle, man. Um, but you know, you really can't do a whole lot about that. But I also yeah. wanted to say about the, uh, you were talking about the clothes and, and dressing a certain way. The thing yeah. that I, I really, I really realized about that. And I've never been a big like style fashion type guy anyway. Maybe that's just, who I am, but, um, like a lot of people do that. Like you'll post a picture, you got these nice fresh clothes on, you got a nice hat with a little sticker on it. And you're like, you're like, people like that. Right. But people really don't give a damn about that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you buy, you spend all your money, you take a loan to get these nice clothes, to get this nice car, to get this, whatever. And nobody right. even cares. Like they, they, they're yeah. like, Oh, that's cool. That's the end of it. You know, one little thought for, <laughs> for $200 yeah. outfit, you know, like, Wow. Right for a two hundred dollar outfit. Yeah, like, like right now, bro. Right now, bro. I got I got some comfortable Walmart shoes on, man. Comfortable. Yeah. Perfect. You know what I mean? I I, I wear a nice t shirt. You know, nice just whatever. I'm not gonna go spend two hundred three hundred dollars just to impress someone. Yeah. That that's blasphemy, man. That's crazy. Yeah. You oh, know. Absolutely. But, but when I step out, you know, my my pants are on my waist, man. My pants are on my waist, man. My, my shirt, it fits. You know, I'm 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 dressing as a man. Mm -hmm. Dang, I, I can't keep I, I can't um say that enough, man. You know, if 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 you're a man, if you're a father, if you're a husband, or just a son, whatever, bro, you know, appearance is everything. Line of clothes. Just care about how you you look how you feel. You know what I'm saying? You, um, we talk about, you know, the guy, you know, posting pictures of these hats and these expensive chains and clothes. Hey, man, to each his own. Yeah, yeah. But there's other important things in life to me right now that I have to, yeah. you know, that I'm focused on. Well, tell me tell me what, a little bit more about your relationship, and then uh, we'll go ahead and end and, and, and the conversation. But I want to hear about, like, what you think, because I know you're young when you got locked up, but before, yeah. you're, you're probably having um, – some some real surface relationships where you're just having sex and whatever tell me what the, the exact right <laughs> what is the benefit with with all the the heartache like I, I was recently in a long relationship for you know just getting out and there was a lot of heartache there's a lot of arguing there's a lot of this this that and the other but there's a lot of benefit in in riding the wave of a relationship like tell me about that yeah hey I couldn't have put it no better way than that, bro. It's, that's what it is, riding the wave, man. Yeah. Um, like I say, man, I, I've never been married. Never thought I'd be married. I was, I was the quote unquote, the, the player type. You know, a lot of polygamous relationships in the mm -hmm. past before I went to prison. But the benefit, man, has been I have someone with me every day mm -hmm. that support me, not just you know monetarily, but emotionally. Man, understands my emotions, understand my feelings. And I reciprocate that as well. Bro, everyone needs someone. Yeah. Everyone needs someone, whether you're married or not. You know what I mean? But it's a big benefit of having that same person that shares that same, you know, love and understanding for you, man. You know, and, and hey, hey, everybody watching, listen, when I tell you, it's not easy, man. 
now. Marriage is not this thing on TV. Again, man, life is not this stuff on TV, these sitcoms, man. There's going to be days where, where it's, it's really hard, rainy days, and there are going to be better days. But the thing about, you know, marriage, what I'm learning, I'm only 28. I'm only 28. What I'm learning is that if it's something that you really want, you would, you would, you know, do what's all needed for it. But both parties have to be willing. This, this can't be a one-side thing where the husband is putting all the work and the wife is not, or the wife's putting in all the work and the husband is not. It has to be equally reciprocated as far as effort goes, you know, especially emotionally. For women, emotion is everything, man. And they're big on words. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're big on action, but women are big on words, man. Yeah. So you got to be careful with the stupid stuff that we may say, man, because I have, I have put my foot in my mouth plenty of time since I've, you know, been married, man. Just off of something I said that was small, that I, that I felt was small. You know, communication, respect, and this last one is so huge. Trust, man. Yeah. Don't get married if you can't trust that person. Yeah. Don't get married if you can't trust that person, man. But the benefit, man, you have a lifelong partner. A lifelong partner. That's why it's marriage and not girlfriend and boyfriend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because with marriage, you get so many things. You get a wife. You get a partner. You know, you get a best friend. You know, it, it, whenever they can stand in for you whenever you can't. Whenever you're sick, I had got sick. I had got like a bad little little head cold. And she was there for me the whole time. Nursed me back to health. Mm. But but with marriage, it's very, I, I, I can't leave this out, bro. You have to have God. You have to have God within your marriage, man. Yeah. Whatever your religion is, you have to go and put your high power first to be able to be the mediator in your marriage. Cause it won't stand with, with you both just trying to lay on your own understanding and work things out together. Sometimes you, you have to take a step back and let God take over, man. You have to have God in your relationships and your marriage. Very important, very important. That's probably the most important thing is having God in your marriage. And so I really encourage all those that's watching, that's married, you know, to keep pushing forward with it. That's like, again, it's gonna be good days, it's gonna be bad days. But, you know, with love and with God, it will be fine. You push through. Well, man, I think I think this conversation has been excellent. I think I'm, I'm so, so happy that we did this. And I'd really love to do it again sometime, like a follow up, whatever's going on with you, man. But let me ask you, if, if you were to say something to maybe somebody like a younger version of yourself, not exactly that, because you had to go through what you had to go through. But if you're going to influence a young man right now that was involved in the lifestyle that you were involved in what would you tell them to, to to stay away from that to get away from that what would your best advice be oh man one thing make smart choices as cliche as it sounds mm -hmm. make smart choices again bro i'm 28 but a choice i made at 19 affected me all those years yeah make smart choices and choices involve the choice of people you hang around, the choice of places you go, you know, the choice of habits you choose to pick up. Make smart choices, man. Don't listen to this music and choose to act it out. Yeah. Don't watch these this television stuff and choose to try to act it out. 
because that is why it's TV. That's why that's music. Make smart choices, man, because in the end, choice is everything. You know, one of the saddest things I remember, um, I know I said that was going to be the last thing, but um, when you would see a young guy in prison, 18, and he's got 40 aggravated or 50 aggravated, or on the other side, when you see an old man who spent his life in prison at 18 years, man, I I definitely – I should have got more time. I count myself lucky. Like you should, you, you know, you're lucky as well. Eight years is a long time, but it's not 40 years. You know, like yeah, you could, yeah. you could have got nailed to the wall by somebody who's just wanting to nail somebody to the wall or whatever, you know, and, uh, um, and we won't get in the whole judicial system or nothing like that, dude. But like that, that, that stuff would blow my mind when you'd see somebody <laughs> like that. And, and they're like 60, 70 years old. And they're like, yeah, man, I've been in the penitentiary since 80, blah, blah, blah. Or when yeah, you see an 18-year-old yeah. kid and he's like, dude, I got 40 years aggravated. I don't care. Tattoo my face up. Let's go. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, that stuff, that stuff was so sad, man. You Hey, look, r- real quick, real quick. I, I, I got to say this. When yeah. I went to Cheyenne Center for 60 days, yeah. there's a guy there. He was like, had to be at least 60, man. No less than 60. He had a 50-year sentence. Yeah. And he did 20 on the 50. And we went to the Cheyenne Center. Cheyenne Center is a halfway house. You stay there for 60 days and you go out in the free world, out into the world. And we were roomies. We roomed together. We had been at the FI5 program together. We, we roomed together. Mm-hmm. Man, don't you know, within four days, he somehow got a hold of some K2 and, and, and smoked it. And the next day, with a 50-year sentence, he'd done 20. So, I mean, he had 30, 30 years left on parole. You know, he jumped the fence and, and, le- and left the other halfway house. So that means at 60, however old he is, that when he is caught by the authorities again, he will have to go do the rest of that 30 years. And he's going to die in prison. Like- and he's going to die in prison. What all he had to do was 60 days at this halfway house, which is way better than prison. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I say this to say, bro, if nothing changes, man, nothing changes. Yeah. You have to go in and change those core beliefs, man. This is something I picked up at the Trevor Center. Core beliefs, change those core beliefs that are not healthy, man. Core beliefs, they, they weigh down. Some we've been holding on to when we were kids. You have to go in and change and weed out those core beliefs, man. Because this man was 60-something and still hadn't changed a core belief that you know I could just do you know do what I want just do whatever after doing 20 years man so if nothing changes nothing changes you know I, I want to say man thank you man for having me on here oh yeah it was really 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 a good opportunity to get back and, and see you again man just to talk yeah. like this man you know it's needed man I definitely do it again anytime absolutely man and, and I, I honestly appreciate you being here and for everyone who's it's there's not a video but uh my man is smiling ear to ear right now, and I'm, I'm so happy that we had this conversation, and I apologize for all the technical difficulties, and thank you for riding out with us, everybody. All right, Devontae, I love you, man. Uh, I'm going to stop the recording and then tell you something real quick. Okay, wait. Before you stop the recording, Okay. Um, if anyone you know wants to follow me, oh, sure. I'm on Instagram. Okay. I'm on Instagram. That's at Von Rafe. That's at V-O-N-R-A-I-F. That's lowercase. And on Facebook, it's my name, Devontae Hawkins. That's D-E-V-O-N-T-E, Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S.
please and feel what, free to get in and tap in with me, man. And what is uh? We didn't even talk about that. I'm totally sorry. What is what is what is your platform? What is it? Like what? Are My you platform doing? for what? what? Like Instagram and uh. I do both. I do Instagram and um and Facebook. What I do on there, I just I post videos of me working out, man. Cool. I cool. post, you know, videos of me working out or pictures with me with my family. You know, positive things, bro. Healthy cool. things, man. Especially the working out. You know, these are healthy things. These are positive things, man. I, that's what I use my platform for. I'm not here to, to put nothing in your face negative or to influence you to do anything that I know I'm not willing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I only reach out to me about positive things. Yeah. Don't reach out to me about that nonsense, man, because you won't no. get a reply. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You ain't gonna say nothing back, man. Well, I think I think that's cool, dude. And I think that you should start uh this is my personal opinion, man. Continue to share your story, get more in depth about this stuff. Um, dude, launching a podcast is super easy. I got 16 episodes on Spotify. It's not hard. Yeah. You know, like, like just just do it and 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 get out there. And you might fumble around, you might not have some good episodes here and there, but it's 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 a wonderful blessing when and, and i know you've known this from being on instagram and all that when people tell you that you've inspired them like just that's that'll that'll make one person dude one single person bro this 19 this 17 year old kid the other day was like hey man you helped me get off the street and then some kid i worked with he's like i listen to your podcast man i was like i'm started crying dude like i should have just let myself cry you know but yeah. i was like damn man like, that's, you know, hey, at the at the place that I work at, man, I had two 18-year-old guys separate times, but yeah. come up to me, hey man, what do you eat, man? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, what do you mean? Like, bro, you big, man. You know, I play football, man. Can you train me? Do you want to be my personal trainer? Yeah. And um, I'm like, man, come on, I'm not a personal trainer, man. But you know, I can tell you what to do and what not to do, you yeah. know, to, to get a healthy body, man, and put yourself first. But the main thing I told them was that, hey man, it has to be a choice. Yeah. It has to be always have to have that discipline. And, and it really tripped me out. Like, I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not a personal trainer. But it just let me know that, hey, everybody's watching. Somebody's always watching. What oh, yeah. Do. Oh, you're jacked, man. I remember. I've, I've seen pictures, too, recently. You're jacked, bro. Yeah, you never know who you're inspiring, man, or who you're influencing. That's cool. So, again, That's cool. man, thank you for this opportunity right here. I'm going to definitely share this around, you know, with my people. They can come in and view and take a listen to it, man. And we'll keep this thing going, Dane. You have to keep Absolutely. this type of stuff going. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you. Hey, man. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you, man. Love. Absolutely.